Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. I always try to remember that I need to take a shower every morning. And I always have to remember I need to change my shorts. <laughs> I always remember I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's right. Amen. And if we have anything of God, it is by him and his mercy towards us. It's God's grace that causes us to be saved. It's God's grace that reaches into our lives and pulls us out of darkness. It's God's grace that lifts us up. Yes, yes. Now, I'd like to explain a couple of things here. One is that I have never attended a Bible school in my life. That doesn't mean I'm against the Bible school. Right, right, right. I'm all for the ministry of the teacher and the and the whatever ministries may be there mm-hmm. to receive or the revelation anointing things. Yes, sir. But I want to explain something more than I. I want to explain something about God Almighty. Yes. The Apostle Paul said to Rome, I want to come to visit you. Why? The purpose was, he says, that you might receive the spirit of revelation. Yes, yes, yes. This morning, I want to tell you that if we don't receive the spirit of revelation, we've got nothing. nothing. Amen. It begins with being born of the spirit. And then for those who want to get under the anointing, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. You'll never sense the anointing the way you should until you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And to deny that is by uh, a rebellion against God's word. This promise of the baptism is to you and to your children and to as many as are far off. And only pride and unbelief stops someone from seeking for this. That's right. That's right. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and then he lifts you into his presence. This morning, a couple of people mentioned, I appreciate it very much, my love for understanding holiness. I, at some point, intend to write a small book on holiness. Amen. Because God has deepened that in my life. Mm. The point is that the spirit of revelation changes you. It's changed me from an unbeliever and a religious heathen into a child of God. Yes, sir. It's changed me and still changing me I'm 75 years old at this moment, and I've learned more in the last three years than I did in the last 10 years before that. I want to tell you, we never stop changing. And the day you stop, you've lost it. That's right. That's right. You see, it's a relationship. And God wants to draw us into higher heights. Now, I'd like to expand on this just a moment before I get into notes. This morning... Someone expressed their appreciation, which I have a deep love for, is understanding our God. We need to know who we are and where he's bringing us to and what he's done for us. Knowledge increases presence. Don't doubt that. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. Amen? As we get to know our God, it's a relational thing. To learn of his love for me, his grace, he picks me up when I fall down. And when I mess up, don't quit. That's why John 1, uh, 9 was written, if you confess your faults unto him, he's faithful and just to forgive you. 
And the devil will always remind you of your faults. Come on. Now, you can be saved for umpteen years. You can preach the gospel and know the word of God, and he'll still remind you That's of right. what you did before yeah. you That's got right. saved. Amen. I want to tell you, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love it to get in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I love the anointing and the worship this morning. And, you know, but I want to get into something that affects that. You see, in John chapter 1, there's a bit of a repeat, but it's important. It's worth repeating. Mm-hmm. The law came by Moses. Moses brought a presentation of what God is. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking the Ten Commandments. We're talking about to know him first of all, acknowledge him, revere him, and then to begin to love our neighbor. The law came by Moses, right? But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace is the favor of God, the mercy of God, his love for you and I. Grace is the cross and the blood and all that goes with that. You know, I can't hardly imagine that God Almighty, my creator, would take the place to become my savior. Mm. There's the love of God. If you don't understand that, you haven't got it. Now, we love to get into a place of grace. But here's the next part, and I challenge you to weigh these words. God is looking for people who worship him in spirit and truth. In spirit is rising into the mountaintop of anointing revelation. This morning, as last night, there was an anointing on the worship. And, you know, I have such a unity deeper than Brother John Lofton, Apostle John Lofton, Elaine, have a deeper relationship, my heart, with them than they realize. It's because we're of one heart and one mind. He's quoting scriptures like this morning, he just quoted from Exodus chapter 18, you know, Lord, show me your glory, and then gets into where to stand, where to find, and he pronounced the name of the Lord in chapter 34, verse 1, and you get into that. This man, he preaches my message and my verses and my notes, <laughs> you know, because we share a calling. There's a time in his life, he hasn't ever told me this, haven't talked about that, but there's a time in his life where he was electrified by that scripture of God, yes. show me your glory. Yes. It hit him so hard, he wanted to preach it. He wanted to tell others, hey, there's a place we can see God's glory. It begins by being on that rock. And as he pro- pronounces his name of mercy, he presses us into the cleft of the rock. Oh, rock of ages cleft for me. Amen. Now, we want the presence, and that is spirit. But let's not stop there. I challenge you this morning to learn to walk in truth. We can't stop by worship and spirit. Now, I'm going to give you a little example of that. Jesus took Peter and John up into the mountain where he was transfigured before them. His face became white and shining. You read that scripture? Okay. What did Peter say? He says, there's Moses and Elijah here, and Lord, let us make a booth for each one. He said, 
Let us make a place to dwell and stay because a booth was like a tent, a place to veg out. Oh, this is so glorious, the presence. He saw the glory of God. Christ was transfigured. And that's what God always does to this person who needs salvation, to the ministry that's going to be a minister. The first thing God always does, he shows his glory. Yes, yes, yes. The glory by the cross, the glory of last night God touched a couple of people with a visible miracle, yes. which I happen to love to do a lot of because you can see it. Yes, yes, absolutely. You can feel it. And afterward, you should know the result of that. <laughs> the glory, yeah. the glory is we want to stay here. And I love the prophet and the prophetic. Amen. God's going to increase the prophetic in you. I want to tell you, get the knowing to that. Amen. I want to tell you, it's wonderful to seek presence. I love a prophetic area of presence. When I see a person that says I'm a, an apostle or I'm an evangelist and they've got some great big meeting where they head up seeking the presence and the glory of God, I know they just, they just don't understand their calling. It's the prophet ministry that will always lead into that. I'm not saying the other ministries won't. Right. I personally play guitar and need worship. But <laughs> I love the prophetic and the anointing, Amen. And that's the side of the church that's built on the foundation of the apostle and prophet, presence anointing. But don't stay on that mountaintop and say, I want to build a booth. Because after the revelation, Jesus said, no, we're going down from the mountain into the valley because there's a need Uh to worship in truth is ministry. To worship in truth is to say, I want to make you great. Don't say you love God and worship and spirit, and then you clap your mouth and you never talk about him. You might offend somebody. We'll offend God by keeping our mouths shut. Don't just sit there and say, I want the glory. I want knowledge. Fill my toolbox that I'm equipped. I have joy in my life. I have sadness in my life. You know, the book of Proverbs says, and I share this with Apostle John just yesterday, the wise man's heart is in the house of mourning. Amen. What's the mourning? Because you see what is not what should be. That's right. That's right. Now, I'm going to make another point, and I believe this is received here in your church. You are a babe in Christ. If you do not understand, and to a level you can give an explanation, a small teaching on the six foundational doctrines. And I won't embarrass anybody. You know, a couple months ago, Sio and I were in, in the Philippines. We shared three three-day conferences. That means you had two sessions in the morning, and chances are you might have something in the afternoon, but for sure you had an evening session. Three days in a row in three different cities. Just conferences on theology Five-fold ministry. And these are all to leaders of churches there. And the average attendance would be somewhere between 80 and 100 people. The biggest attendance was when Sioni spoke, women's ministry. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Women need to see women powerful That's in right. ministry. Amen. I want to tell you, for those who don't like women in ministry, if there's anybody here Uh-oh. 
give your head a shake. I used to be one of those. I didn't believe that women could be called to ministry. I'm talking about way back. But you know, the Bible says from glory to glory, yes. it changes me. Amen? Yes. Yeah, there's a change. The most powerful anointed person I have ever met in my life is Catherine Kuhlman, a woman. I was an assistant pastor as a young ministry. Because of that, I had to look after a sec section to keep it in order in a big stadium, the biggest one in Vancouver, Canada, British Columbia. Now, talking to somebody about something or other, and all of a sudden, this big wave of the anointing hit me. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about manifesting, or I'm talking about like the goosebumps. I'm talking about where you just feel the trembling of the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's like a wave. It hit me from behind, and I knew without turning around that Catherine Coomer just walked on that stage. Wow. I wow. turned around, and sure enough, and there she is. She also always had these big, long, oh, flowing yeah, garments yeah. And, and whatever. But you know, she began to talk about the Holy Ghost. She could, the only person that could say the Holy Ghost with eight vowels. <laughs> you know, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, but when she was through talking for a while, she pointed way back up in the bleachers of that stadium. I'm talking there's 20,000 people there. And she says, you there, lady, at the very top at the back with the red dress, stand up. No, not you, honey. The one to the right of you. You stand up. The Lord just healed you of cancer. Come down here and give God glory. Ah, glory, glory, glory. Oh, God, we need the presence. We need the anointing. We need that this morning. We need that not to operate in this apostle or that one. We need to operate in Sister Elaine. Yeah, we need to operate yeah. in you. Don't limit women from ministry. That's right. Yeah. Probably won't have time to get into everything I'd like to get into, but I'll just take a moment of that. You know, the people hang on to the scripture. I don't suffer a woman to teach or usurp authority. Right, right. That's, what they start with. That's the big scripture mm -hmm. over a man but they never do their homework That's to right. see what it's talking about. That's right. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it's very clear. Just look at Strong's Concordance. Yeah. It'll say there, a woman in a marital relationship. In other words, it's talking about the rightness of respecting the headship of the husband and being correct. You've got a question to ask him at home. That's you know, right. that's what it's talking about. Yes. Now, use your noggin. Do women get saved by repenting from sin and turning to Jesus Christ? They get born again? Yeah. Amen. Do women get baptized in the Holy Ghost with an evidence of speaking tongues or prophecy or sensing anointing? Yes. Amen. Therefore, are women going to operate in gifts of the Spirit? Yes. Amen. And now, Philip had four daughters. Come they yes. they prophesied. Yes. And you can see it all by their theology, not mine. Oh, dishes, hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, you know, my Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that prophecy is to edify, edify. the church. Yes. Right. Amen? Right. If you tell me these women prophesied but not to the church, I'm going to tell you you're a fool. Yes. Sorry, I can't help it. 
We need a restoration in the church. Yeah. My focus is fivefold ministry. With that in mind, I want to say deepen in truth. Don't quit. Don't just come to an occasion like this. Get into your Bible. That's right. Chew it, yeah. weigh it, yeah. because if it's not in the Word of God, we don't want it. That's right. And if it's in the Word of God, we need it. And if you want to be effective in life and ministry, don't just get in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> You've got to get into the Word. You've got to get yeah. into truth. Yeah. Worship in Spirit and truth. Truth is our walk, what we produce, our mindset as we head into life on the street. Help us, O oh Lord. Now, switching gears. In 1995, the Lord caused me to write a little book that's no longer in print. It was called Destroyed Foundations. My first little book on fivefold ministry. In fact, uh, Reginald Holliday received a copy from Pete Beck, who managed to get a copy to somehow. I forget how. And that's how he got a hold of me one day. In 1995, I had a visitation, a revelation visitation of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to get off on a little tangent here and get this right. It's not to say, look at me or look at my wife. It's a case of giving a testimony of God and what we need to be looking for. Are you ready? I've seen a person who hasn't walked for 17 years run, leap, and jump. I give God the glory. Amen. I want Amen. to tell you, God has not changed. That's right. I've only seen that one time, but nevertheless, I want to see it another time. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I have seen, you know, where Peter, the gates open up, the big metal gates, and there's nobody touched them. I had a ministry visitor from the Philippines at our place, and we were doing something, and my wife gave me a garage door opener. Now, we have a big one. I'm talking about doors 12 foot something because we've got a big trailer, and we have a small garage door. And she gave me an opener, and we had to move a couple of exercise equipment pieces into the shop. You know, you buy them to use them, and then they get, they get demoted to the back room, and now, <laughs> now they're being demoted to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this visiting ministry, and I said, hey, give me a hand lifting these things over there. And he's very helpful, and we both grabbed the end of this machine, and we walked over the garage door, and I, we went to put it down because I wanted to reach into my pocket and open the garage door. And you know what? I went to put this down, and all of a sudden the garage door opened by itself. Whoa. Fact before God, I know I'm in the presence of God. I want to tell you, start lying about the anointing. You're not going to have an anointing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, here we go. <laughs> Walked inside of that shop, and this person from the Philippines, he'd never seen a trailer. We got about a 30-foot Lumalite trailer, you know, for camping or whatever. We bought it in 1997. And uh, I just sold it a month ago. We used it one time. <laughs> it's a dream. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Um, now, that, that's not quite true. We took it home, we slept in it for a couple of nights <laughs> in the driveway. <laughs> yeah. And this guy wanted to see this trailer. And, you know, he's interested from the third world. And, and uh, anyway, so <laughs> I had this little key, cheap little key for a lock to a compartment where you store stuff. And so I opened that up. I stuck the key in there. And that key froze. And it's cheap. You can't force it too much. You're going to break it off. And it wouldn't come out of that lock. He said, let me try that. I said, not too hard. Go ahead. And he wiggled it and fiddled with it, and it wouldn't come out. This is a cheap lock for a storage area. And I said, don't worry about it. I'll deal with it later. I just left that key in that lock. I have the other key for the door to the trailer. And as I walked away, I said, Lord, would you look after that? And that key jumped three feet out of that lock and landed on the concrete. Yeah, right. And this guy's eyes got about that. <laughs> he didn't know that, yeah, you saw this. He probably thought that this kind of stuff happens in my life all the time, the ministry of angels. You know, we have seen ministry of angels several times, but it's not like it happens every day in our lives. You know, but I want to tell you, God's ministry of angels is there. So we walk out of the shop and back to back towards the back sunroom, there's two lots, house here and a shop lot here, about 100 feet apart. <clears throat> and as I'm walking just into the corner of the house, I notice somebody walking down the sidewalk, staring at my open shop. And I thought, you know, leave me not in temptation. Mm -hmm. I right. thought, I said to him, I should have closed that door. And I'm talking about him 120 feet away in the back room of our, our home. We've got a porch back room, keep a barbecue there. And as I said that, the door closed by itself. Now I'm telling you, as sure as God is God, and as sure as I'm standing here, this is the truth. And again, this guy, his eyes got about twice as, you know, he's really, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> well, I was impressed, but he was triple impressed. <laughs> and I took out the opener, and I said, you know, I'm going to close and open that door. And I pushed the button, and the big garage door opened. I never did have the right opener. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I can tell you more things of ministry of angels. My sweetheart, she loves to play and worship the Lord. And, and uh, you know, she has this instrument, and, and she's got a very particular two little plastic-type finger things for it. And in Coeur d'Alene and Spokane, anytime near a music stop, store, I'll stop in to see if I can find a pair of them. They got these metal ones that you squeeze and they never work right. Well, here, about half a year ago, she was playing her instrument, just worshiping the Lord, no people around, just her and her office, just worshiping God. Go ahead and correct me. Oh, you were? Okay. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> Shows you I'm only a mile off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the essence of the story is the point. One of those plastic things broke, and she said, "Oh no!" 
here a few days later. She was cleaning up something in the kitchen, and she wiped up some stuff on the floor with a towel, and she took the towel upstairs to her laundry room. And as she looked inside the laundry room, right in front of her laundry equipment, is a brand new plastic pick that I haven't been able to find for several years. And here's the exact finger size. And you know, she thrown the old one in the garbage. We were so impacted, she went back in the garbage to get the pieces of the right, old one she right, threw away. Right. <laughs> and they were there. <laughs> and here she now has two picks. One is brand new. I want to tell you about the ministry of angels. But really, why am I telling you this? I want to tell you we can get into things of God in a higher height. Yes, yes, it's yes. not that we're so spiritual. Oh, God. <laughs> Help us to acknowledge your glory yes, and yes. to seek your face. And you will never get to that unless you learn to ministry work in truth. You can't stay in the mountain. You can't stay in the heavenly heights. But do there. That's the place to get fueled up. But we are meant to do a work. To love God, that is ministry. Mm -hmm. Holiness is love, and that love reaches into not just God. It reaches into man. And without knowledge, we are limiting ministry. Get under the anointing, but don't just seek that. We need all of the callings. We need the prophet, and we need presence, and we need anointing. But if you're not of a heart to seek the word of God, to equip yourself to be used of God, God can't take out of you what you don't That's put in. That's right. That's right. The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance. Mm -hmm. He will raise things to remembrance that are good and needful. Amen? Amen. So you've got to fill your toolbox. Back to 1995. I had this visitation, and the Holy Spirit said two things. Now, I'm an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I evangelize. I'm not an evangelist. I pastor. I'm not a pastor. I teach all the time. But it's not my calling. I have one calling that's apostle. That's been confirmed by the anointing, by prophetic words, and I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. What makes an apostle right. an apostle? We'll get into that a little bit later. But the Lord gave me two things to what I will rarely do, I will rarely use the words, thus saith the Lord. But for these two things, I will say, thus saith the Lord. The first one is this. God is going to restore his church. We took the scripture this morning. You heard it quoted, there's one body. Amen? Yeah. He quoted that from Ephesians chapter 4. four. Yeah. There's one body. There's not two churches. There's one Bible. Mind you, it's been messed with a whole lot, and that's a study yes, of its has. own. And uh, do you have that book, God Wrote in One Bible, little book? You got it? I do have it. Okay, good. That little book will show you yes, how the King James Bible came into being when there was no written Bible, and nobody had a Bible except maybe a few priests, and they quote with the parts that they believe. And King James caused the Bible to be written. And then we get where two other Catholic priests in the, 19, in the 1800s, they're called Westcott and Hort. And by their letters, and they've got this on file, we have these old historic records. These guys, they're Mary worshipers and said to, Mary, to worship Mary is the same as worshiping God. Mm -hmm. 
shows you how far they were from salvation. Right, right. And they brought huge change to the King James Bible. And they caused the American Standard Bible to be written with all these changes yes. where they took the blood out and the word the Lord out. The Lord out. So many changes. And I'm not going to take time on that, but I believe Brother John Lawton is going to study that book and tell you that because he's going to have the time. Now, that Bible brought a lot of changes, and they're damaging changes. For example, when Jesus rose from the dead, the first person that saw him was Mary, Mary Magdalene out of whom he cast seven devils. And Mary got close to him yes. and said, Rabboni, which means teacher, and Jesus right away said, touch me not. How important was that? He was a sanctified, holy sacrifice. He was a sanctified lamb of God. If you study the priesthood, he's our high priest. And if a priest touches a dead body, he's unsanctified. And he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. After he ascended, in mid-morning, he met them on the road, and they worshipped him, and they, they clung to his feet. They hugged his feet in worship. Okay to touch him. What happened in between? He ascended... And Hebrews 9 will tell you, he placed his blood yep. on the mercy seat and completed the atonement. That's right. That's right. That's why in the same day in the evening, he could do what he could not do before that. He met with the disciples and he blew on them. And he said, receive the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. They're born of the Spirit in that moment. Amen? Amen. Then he told them later on, Luke 24, and verse 49, wait for the promise of the Father because you're going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen? And that's explained in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, where it says, the baptism is the promise of the Father. Mm -hmm. You're going to be baptized. It's not, you know, there's a difference between born and baptized. Right. There's a word difference. Mm -hmm. There's a meaning difference. Mm -hmm. Baptized, it comes from the Greek word baptismo. You're going to be baptismo. Born is geneo. Uh -huh. Totally different words, totally different events. And then explains verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost came upon you. Now, a couple of you saw a creative miracle last night. Power. Holy Ghost power. If the Holy Ghost moves, it's going to be a Holy Ghost thing. Amen? Now, God spoke to me and said, I'm going to restore my church. It's going to look like the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. In the book of Acts, they had all five callings flowing together, submitted one to another, and they also understood authority. Yes. Yes. Then the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to pour up my spirit, and it's going to be a worldwide revival that's going to make Pentecost pale. Mm. Wow. It's coming. Wow. First, he's going to fix the container, and then he's going to bring in the fruit. Yes. That's what's coming. Wow. Now, I'm going to take you through a little bit of that. Whoops. Our 
keyboard man, he departed. <laughs> He'll be back. He'll be back. <clears throat> what we need on the board is Joel chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to run you through a couple of things to make this real. And this includes understanding fivefold ministry. Because God's going to fix the container, the church. God help us. In Joel chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm just going to quote it, it says, The day of the Lord, a day, oh, blow the trumpet of Zion, set an alarm. That's a start there. You know, that's wake up, <laughs> pay attention. That's blow the trumpet. Everybody get on board. Yeah. Okay? In my holy mountain, let the inhabitants of the land tremble. The day of the Lord is coming is at hand. The day of the Lord is the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yes. Now, if you want to look at the day of the Lord, there's different scriptures on that. In Thessalonians, you're going to find in chapter 2, verse 1, it says the day of the Lord, and it talks about that day will not come until Antichrist be revealed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Amen? So it talks about the day of the Lord. Now, in, in verse 2, let's look at verse 2. It says, a day of darkness, gloom, thick clouds upon the mountains. You're into Matthew 24. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be men's hearts are going to, Luke chapter uh, 21, where it says men's hearts are going to fail them for fear of what's coming upon the earth. If you see more natural catastrophe, tsunamis caused by an earthquake and an underground upheaval under the ocean, you know, what makes it dark? I recall Mount St. Helens blew many years ago, 25 years ago, and we had darkness in B.C. in the Vancouver Fraser Valley. Yeah, 200 miles away. Wow. Yeah, there's a, there's a massive uh, volcanic action in a place called Krakatau. You can look it up in your research in the 1800s, late 1800s, where there's a mega explosion of a volcano that was so big that it opened up to the raw ocean water, got below the water level, and then billions of gallons of water came roaring into this massive lava bed, which was exposed, and that blew like a hydrogen bomb and caused crop failures around the world for three years. Wow. You know, if you wonder about day of darkness, that's what I'm talking about, a day of gloom upon the mountains, right? There's going to be things happening in this world. Like I said, men's hearts are going to fail them for fear for that which is coming upon the earth. That's coming. Yes. The yes. preacher tells you that Jesus can come tomorrow morning is speaking out of their ignorance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One thing I commit to doing is writing a book on what, where we are, how we got there, and what is yet to come mm -hmm. by the word of God. Yes. Not opinion. I don't want anybody's opinion, including mine. I want the word of God. That's right. Amen? So, look at verse 7. Verse 7. Talks about the army of the Lord. They're going to run like mighty men, climb the wall like men of war. Mm. Verse 8. They're not going to, in the King James, is thrust one another through. They're not going to pierce each other. You're going to march in rank and unity, a church in unity. You know, that's coming. I believe in fivefold ministry. 
that's what's going to usher in a unity where ministry are going to submit one to another. And where there's a church that will submit to eldership. And the eldership will submit to the church. Now, you haven't heard that before. When eldership is not prepared to submit to the church, that means they're in a spirit of control with a prideful thing, I am it. They've ignored 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, where it says, Yea, all of you submit yourselves one to another. It's under mutual accountability. I'll submit to you. I'll submit to you. I'll submit to anybody in the church. I'm not talking about one church. I'm talking about any church mm-hmm. under one condition, that we operate under what we call mutual, mutual. accountability. Mm-hmm. Amen? Now, I understand 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, Christ has set some in the church. First apostles, secondly prophets. I understand authority with responsibility and accountability. I understand all that. But as an apostle, I'll submit to anyone. That means you don't operate in a spirit of control. That means you don't have an attitude, I've arrived, I admit, and look at me, I shine the dark when you're not looking. That means that you are open to correction. That means lovingly and respectfully. Right. Now, that's the attitude. Let's move on from there. Joel chapter 2, nope, yeah, verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. Now, this is the word of God, and a whole lot of people disregard this, don't read it, or they selectively turn a blind eye to this. It says, the earth shall be darkened. The earth quakes before this army. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark. The stars diminish their brightness. Why? You've got all this volcanic thrust and ash that darkens the sun in the natural. The Lord gives his voice before his army, great as his camp, and strong as the one who executes it. He's very terrible. Verse 11. Now move to verse 12. Now, therefore, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping. Oh, God, this morning, may that be our heart set. Lord, we're turning to you. Forgive us for where we miss it, where we're wrong, where we're blind. Give us vision. Give us understanding. Forgive us, oh, Lord, for our pride and our wrongfulness. Thank you, Lord. We bow to you and to your word. Amen. Amen. He is the word. Amen. Now, Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. He's gracious. If for God's grace, none of us would be here this morning. Move on to verse 23. Go to 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion. Who's that? That's us. We're the Zion of God. We've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 12, you have not come to the mountain that shook and trembled where they begged that the trumpet would stop, but you've come, past tense, you're already there. Yes. Mm-hmm. How are you there? That's where it says your name is written. written. Come on. It's the book of life, amen, to innumerable company of angels and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And there you have, he descended, he took captivity captive, he took him home into the presence of God because the blood had been applied. That's right. You're talking about 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. And here it says, I'm going to come to you. He's giving you the former rain faithfully and will cause to come down the rain, and we've got the latter rain. He's coming as the former rain, and I don't like that translation because it took away what it meant. King James says, he took away the former rain moderately. Faithfully is different. Faithfully says he's going to do what he promised. Right. Moderately is like a valve yeah. on a tap. Yes. He took, he's coming like the former rain moderately, King James, that's the accurate Hebrew text. I've looked it up. Moderately means that the early rain has a valve, a limitation on it. Then he's going to pour out the latter rain, which has no moderately. Come on. Okay? Are you with me? Yes. All right. You see, the latter rain brings forth that army he's talking about that's going to have a power that is unequaled. Now, the former rain, that's the first rain and the second rain, and the latter rains in the latter day. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1 says, Ask ye of the Lord for rain in the latter day. Uh -huh. Amen? And I'll bring you showers. If we're seeking the Holy Ghost and Holy Ghost presence, God, cleanse me, make me holy, that you may bring upon me what you've promised. Don't forget Genesis chapter 18, where God appeared to Moses as three men. Then God explains to him, shall I not tell you the things that are coming because you're going to be a father of many nations? He said, I know you that you'll command your children after you to follow my ways. Command. You won't say, honey, would you please? You're saying, honey, yes, you are going to church. Yes, you are. He's commanding, I know you'll do that. You take a stand, whether you're popular or not, you're going to stand for what should be. That's right. You're going to set order. An apostle must set order. Yes, he must. Okay, now, he says, here's the part, that I may bring upon you the things. You see, it's us that limits God. It's not God limits us. Hello. Yes. <laughs> Abraham, that I may bring upon you the promises that I've given you. And it's the same with the Holy Ghost. Now, in the early reign, we find after Pentecost, you get people saying, hey, these guys are drunk. And Peter stands up and says, hold it. <laughs> I can understand getting drunk, but it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's getting pretty serious. You know, <laughs> who, gets, who gets drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning? He said, no, no, this is what the prophet, no, that's Bible. That's the, I'm not just telling you my words. Now, he says, this is what the prophet Joel said. Joel said, pour, I'll pour up my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters are going to have dreams, visions. They're going to prophesy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, may it be. Yeah. Oh, God, may Hallelujah. it be. And your children in your church. Amen? Amen. May we have a different outlook about church. Mm. Now, that was the early reign. Now, turn to James chapter 5, verse 7. And here you have the part that is missed that I never hear preaching on. Why don't we preach on it? 
There's a bunch of scriptures that people just don't preach on. Why it's not convenient, it doesn't fit the average. Well, I don't care about the average this morning. I care about the Word of God. That's and right. where we ever, wherever you leave out the Word of God, you bring death and failure. Where you bring in the Word of God, you bring life and light. Now, James says, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Hey, this life's got a lot of hiccups, and some days you just want to say, let me out of here. But be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits. Sorry, I'm going to be verbal. I'm going to tell you exactly what I feel. I despise that translation. Get a King James Bible for study. If you want to read that for just novel reading, that's whatever else, that's this Bible, New King James, or whatever. But get a real Bible for study. Now, why do I say that? Because it annoys me all to pieces. They change that. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the husbandman is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. That's the King James. There's a huge difference between the farmer and the husbandman. The natural mind, somebody changed that scripture to their opinion with their limited understanding, and that annoys me all to pieces because it limits truth. You see, go to John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches, my father is the husbandman. He is not just the farmer. He is the keeper of the vineyard who prunes us that we might bring forth more fruit or cuts us off to be branches that get burned if we're not producing fruit. Amen? The husbandman is different than the farmer. The farmer is an occupational person. The husbandman is God Almighty. And that word change is why you need a King James Bible to understand the reality. And there's so many changes like that. I can point out a number of them. God help us. Now let's get back to this verse. Therefore, be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the husbandman is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. (laughs) Until he receives the early and latter rain. Hello. Get that? Until he receives what? Early Early and latter rain. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that God needs rain? I don't think so. God created rain. Amen? What's he talking about? He, the husbandman, dealing with the vine and the branches, is waiting for the fruit of the early rain and the fruit of the latter rain. Amen? Amen. Hang on to that. Wait patiently until he receives the early and latter rain, the results of both. I want to tell you the latter rain is coming, and it's not moderately. Mm. Hang on to that. Study that. Digest it. Digest the word. And get that word right. His husband is not farmer. It's a him. It's not the average occupation. The husbandman. Not any husbandman. There's only one. He's my father in heaven. 
He's the one that keeps the vineyard. He's the one that prunes me, and he's the one that cuts off branches that don't bear fruit. Yes. Amen. The husbandman is waiting for the fruit of the latter rain. Mm -hmm. Oh, let me tell you, the early rain was phenomenal. The result was that there's a ministry movement, and it does you well to read Acts chapter 2 from verse 40 to 48, where it talks about they dwelt and they spent time with the apostles' doctrine, not the pastor's doctrine, not the teacher's. They're all called ministry, and I respect and love them all. We need them all. But it's the apostles' doctrine. And it says, and they broke bread and fellowship with the apostles. They weren't holy people sitting up there in a the stage, right. hidden right. behind a closet, being spiritual. No, they loved the people. Paul taught the people from house to house. Amen? They fellowshiped. I love this setup here where you can have some fellowship time after service and spend time. You see, our Christian church should be relational. Yes, yes. Relational. And leaders should not be impeccable, you know, where you quarantine them and Amen. don't touch them. That's right. Amen. Leadership that don't that. want to touch you, I don't need. <laughs> I've had my fill of them. Won't go down that track too far because we've got other things to do. <laughs> Help! <laughs> oh, Lord. There's the early and latter rain. Amen? And we're starting to see the sprinkles of the latter rain. We're starting to see where it came into visibility in the Welsh Revival, and then Yuzusa Street in California, and then you had the North Battleford Revival in Canada. I'm debating whether I should share or what I shouldn't share. <clears throat> the Lord supernaturally took me to a little church by invitation a half an hour after I was excommunicated in the church I grew up in. My crime was I got water baptized. Right. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Form of public goodbye, left foot of fellowship, because you won't left bend from your belief in getting water baptized. You've broken our covenant of infant baptism. You've denied what we teach. And you're verbal about it. You're telling people they need to get born again. You're telling them 1 Peter 3.21 that baptism, the answer of a clear conscience, my mom and dad could never answer my conscience. Believe me, if they knew what I did between age 12 and age 28, <laughs> they would definitely turn over in their graves. I was definitely a sinner saved by grace. If you weren't, good luck. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> oh God. I wound up this little Pentecostal church. And the pastor there came out of a Baptist background. And he lived in the prairies of Canada. You know, there's three prairie provinces, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Huge, vast distance that you can see for 100 miles. Grain fields, the breadbasket of Canada. And they say the breadbasket of the world because they just have such massive land that's all grain. <clears throat> and he had a little church with just a few people. 200 miles away from North Battleford. 
He said, one morning we had a service. He said, I heard this bellering and a racket coming through the foyer in this little church. And then the second set of doors open, and you got this farmer, and prairie clay and mud is sticks to your boots, believe me. And this guy was dressed in totally farm clothes with mud in his boots, and he was just bellering. And he ran up to the front of the church, threw himself in front of the rostrum, and said, what do I do to get saved? Then his wife comes in, running behind him. Same story, gets down her knees. What do we do to get right with God? He's 200 miles away from North Battleford. And that was just the beginning. I heard this personally firsthand discuss this at length. He went home. Going to make supper. And he's got this family pulls up to his house. And they're crying and saying, what do we do to get right with God? Oh, God, may that come this morning. Yes, may that happen yes, here. Yes. Oh, Lord, bring that home to me. Deep in my love, mm -hmm. deep in my purpose, my desire. Amen. Amen. And this church exploded from a few people where they couldn't hold the people weeping with repentance, get right with God. The Holy Ghost brings conviction. Yes. The Holy Ghost deals with sin. Yes. Oh, God, help us. That is revival. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in the different ministries, and I thank God for them. But I'll tell you, when you talk about we're holding revival yes. meetings, the real revival meetings is getting on your knees before God saying, oh, cleanse me. Yes. And I don't Amen. care if I'm Moses Amen. and I'm leading Amen. the congregation. The real revival is saying, oh, God, turn my heart to a deeper walk with you, my purpose, my vision. I had a brother one day. He was a young apostle, and we together ministered for a time. And he said this little interesting statement, oh, God, change my wanter. <laughs> Just God, change my wanter. Change what I want and what my priorities are. You know, <laughs> oh God, that's revival. We're telling you, God's going to pour out his spirit. And I'm back on track here. There's the Azusa Street, the Welsh revival. You had the North Battleford, and you've got some stuff that went on in California, or not in Florida, in Toronto, the Toronto Blessing. You get places where there's an explosion. But only in the last hundred years where people are starting to understand the baptism of the Holy yes, Ghost. Yes, yes. And the anointing and the power. Amen? Amen. So God is sprinkling. But I'm going to tell you there's a day coming and fivefold ministry is part of the spearhead of bringing the government of God back into yes, order. Yes, yes. Bring back the callings and the right government God's going to restore his church, and then there's going to be the latter rain. You read it in the book of James. Don't forget it. The husband is waiting for the fruit of the latter rain. Now, let's go through that one more time. Peter said, this is that which is spoken of by the prophet right. Joel. That is the early rain. Amen? Amen? Because the early rain caused the gifts. Your young folks are going to prophesy. Old men are going to have dreams. I haven't had too many dreams yet. I guess I'm not that old yet. <laughs> but it's coming. Believe the word of God. Yes. And the fruit of the latter rain. Now, this was written by James, which is way past Pentecost. That's right. And he's writing that the husbandman, my heavenly father, 
right? John 15, my father's the husbandman. Yes. Get a right translation or you're going to miss this whole thing. Now, the husband is waiting for the fruit of the latter rain. There's going to be a worldwide revival coming. I got these scriptures long after the Lord gave me this revelation, but he confirms it by his word. Yes. He will always confirm always. truth by his yes. word. Yes. Amen? And he confirmed it to me by his word and gave me scriptural understanding to see what I didn't understand because he said it. Now, he said the latter rain's coming and the husbandman is waiting for the fruit of the latter rain. Mm. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Ah, uh, my, my. Let's change course a little bit because I want to leave time for my dearly beloved. I want to get into a mindset. Can you please turn to Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 4? Isaiah chapter 9, beginning verse 4. Mr. Scripture Man at the back. Are we in Isaiah 9, 4? Oh, good, we're there. Thank you. <laughs> you have the prophet Isaiah dealing with a scripture that many of us are aware of in verse 6. Don't turn to verse 6. Leave it where it's at. We all know chapter 9, verse 6, for most of us do, if you've been in your Bible for a while. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. Unto us. Amen. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and names shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Remember, the child is born is also the Everlasting Father. He is Lord God Almighty. He's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? Now, but let's get into the part that we rarely get into, and we should. This giving of the Son has a huge value. That is the central thing of salvation. God found a moral answer to our sin and separation from God. Isaiah 59 says, your sins have separated you from your God. Amen? And God dealt with the moral issue. Now, here's the beginning of this moral issue, and if you don't understand this, you will never build a five-fold church. A five-fold church is a church militant, meaning it's a church that's aggressive. It's in a warfare. Yes. Yes. Now, let's read about the warfare. You have broken the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulders, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. The day of Midian, the nation of Israel, was under oppression by the enemy, and God had broken the staff of that burden. Now, here we're going to see another breaking. Here's the second one. It talks about the war. Every warrior's I don't get this sandal from the noisy battle. Okay, that's fair. It says all of the, it says in the King James, a warrior's clothes, they're drenched in blood. And there's loud yelling, a lot of noise, the natural war, because war in the past used to be hand-to-hand -hand combat, 
spears and swords and clubs and that kind of stuff. It was nasty. Bullets are a little cleaner. <laughs> now, it says that garments rolled in blood and they'll be used for burning and the fuel of fire. Let's take that in context. The normal war where God broke the burden was dealing with giving victory of a natural war where it was hand-to-hand -hand combat and people died with swords and spears and garments rolled in blood and a bunch of noise and anger and yelling and that kind of thing. He says, but this, what? What is this? This shall be, I don't like this translation, I was real trouble to change the translation. I keep interrupting because it bothers me and doesn't say what I know it should say. <laughs> and King James says, this shall be. In other words, this battle shall be different. This war is different in breaking the burden. This shall be how, for unto us a child is born. My point to you is God is changing the battle to bring us liberty. It's because of the Son. This is a battle and warfare in bringing the Son who brings us salvation. But let's not forget this. It begins with talking about war. It begins with talking about a battle. We're in a battle. Fivefold ministry will never come into its own and being until we battle to get the truth of Scripture in place. Where it's ignored, there's death. Half of what's called the church teaches infant baptism and a kid receives the Holy Spirit when they're sprinkled. Let me tell you, that wrong doctrine brings death. Last night I explained about the Roman Catholic Church with wrong doctrine, and with that wrong doctrine of that you can't marry if you're a priest or a nun, you wind up with 10,000 pedophile priests yes. exercising sexual stuff on kids and atrocities of ruining lives. Why? Wrong doctrine. Yes. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 says, it's better to marry than to burn. Huh. Oh God, wrong doctrine brings death. And the same with fivefold ministry. Fivefold ministry is the government of God in ministry to the church. This is why it says when Christ ascended, he is the Lord of the church. We preach this all the time. If you have a wedding, you know, <laughs> as the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the Lord of the church. And we take away his lordship. You deny him when you disregard fivefold ministry. Hold on now. You're in ignorance or rebellion when you deny fivefold ministry because it says Christ ascended high, and what did he do? He gave the church apostles, prophets, teachers, not just pastors, and evangelists. Now, you have the next thing. We deny, for those who say 
That was just back then, and it doesn't apply today. God helped them and have mercy on them. They sowed death into the church. They killed those ministries. Instead of discerning the callings and seeing their different burden and vision and what comes from them, they just simply say, oh, that doesn't happen. We don't have miracles. Of course you're not going to have miracles. You denied the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and therefore you're not going to have miracles. You'll never see a miracle. You know, I've seen churches, and their prayer list every week goes out. Big churches, big ministries. Pray for sister so-and-so. Pray for brother so-and-so. Pray whatever. You never hear a report they got healed. <laughs> Hello. Because they denied the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The gifts come with the baptism. Now, we don't have a church in order until we bow to God's word and say, Jesus, you're Lord. You gave these callings. I want to understand that. I want to see that functioning. I want to see the book of Acts. I don't want to see an end time church that's different than the beginning church. only one body. Amen? Now, for those who deny that, you'd have to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. It talks about the setting in place setting, of the yeah, body. Yeah. It says he sets some in the church. Then he diversifies from that and gets to verse 28. And he repeats the second thing. Paul often does that. You get to a point, then he digress into something else and come back. Mm -hmm. You do that. Mm -hmm. I do that. <laughs> Bottom line is that... <clears throat> He says he set some in the church first apostles. I just recently read a book by somebody that wrote as an apostle on fivefold ministry. <coughs> the guy's no more an apostle than I'm a twitty dink. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't understand authority, doesn't understand government, apostle first. Why? Because I'm an apostle, I want to be first? No, I don't want to be first. I just want to be a servant of God. I just want to hear the words, well done, the good and faithful That's servant right. at the end. Right. <laughs> but I want to fulfill my calling, and I know my calling with the great responsibility that I carry. Mm -hmm. God's given me a lot of revelation, and I'm responsible for that. If you're a minister, you're responsible. If you're a child of God, you're responsible yes. for your time, your finances, your focus. Are you a servant of God? Because we're all called to ministry. Now, he sets some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, then you get your pastors and evangelists. All five are called ministries. I love them all, we need them all, I regard them all, but there's an authority order. And then you get these people, this brainwave, that was just part of the first church, and that's they teach people. They twist and disregard scriptures and annoys me all over the place. I can't imagine how it annoys God. Right, right. Now, and they'll say, oh, you know, we still have the pastors and maybe a few evangelists, but these other callings, we don't have them anymore. My Bible says God set them in the church. That's right. And if your mind doesn't receive that setting, then you're rebellious to the Word of God. And you destroy the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He says we need these ministries set in place. We need to receive them. Amen. I love the ministry of the pastor. 
I love the ministry of the evangelist, yes. but when you deny the ministry of the apostle, the prophet, and teacher, you miss and you mess up the church. Right. And there's death wherever you miss scriptures. Right. And if you are so afraid to offend man, if you're so afraid to offend man to say, I don't intend to go down that road. I love your brother, and you serve God the way you want to. But I'm going to follow the word. Amen. My point to you is this. You'll never build a five-fold church until you have a warrior mindset. Yes. Yes. Our God brought war. Now, I know all the scriptures. Get along with all men as much as lies within you. I know that. I know it says love the brotherhood. The truth is, no matter what I've said this morning, I thank God for every church. Every church owns the Bible. I don't care if they're Baptists, they deny the Baptist and the Holy Ghost. I thank God for them as long as they hold that Bible because some people do get saved. That's right. But a whole lot more to get saved if they have knowledge. My people perish for lack of My people, not the world. Amen? So we need to understand the callings. And just to close my time, because I'm afraid I've just taken away from my wife. I just realized that. <laughs> An apostle has a vision that grows in time. Personally, I never ever thought of myself as that calling. For 10 years, I wouldn't even have a calling card because I'd have to put on there, reverend, pastor, something. And I just didn't have them. People say, have you got a card? Because God used me in some way or another and sometimes gifts of the Spirit. And they'd say, give me a card. And I just don't have one. Sorry, I'll give you my phone number right now. Until one day, I got slain in the spirit when a prophet came to minister. And he said to me, you are a call of God. You know that, don't you? Like stupid, you should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> when I come up off that floor thinking to myself, you know, last I remember him saying was, you are a call of God before I got whomped. <laughs> oh, my. That began a long journey. Then because I had two coffee houses way before that to bring teens to Christ. Then because I was an assistant pastor. Then because I started a church. You know, I finally started to realize I'm called of God, but I didn't understand anything about fivefold ministry. Right. I just did what I wanted to do under God. I had one thought. I don't care if I have a title. I just want to serve God. Amen. I don't want to be anybody. I don't care about... You know, you don't need a whole bunch of people bowing and scraping and kissing your butt. Right. Right. Yeah. You, hold on now. <laughs> hold on now. You know, a lot of them, if you get in there, if it's not reverend, bow and scrape, you missed the point. You offended me. didn't recognize who I am. Well, I don't care about who I am. I want to know who Jesus That's is. That's right. That's right. Amen. <laughs> there we go. But in time, God just led me into scriptures, and then I get this prophet, the most well-known prophet in all the prairie provinces of Canada, mature man for years, that people recognize him. That man gave you a word, and I didn't even know what happened. He came to my, little, my only tent crusade, <laughs> and he prophesied over me. He said, in the last days, you're going to bring the office of an apostle into honor, and to me, that was just words. I wrote it down because he said it, but I didn't understand right, it because I didn't right, believe right. in fivefold ministry. Right, right. I didn't understand. But God brings a continuing revelation of his word for those who seek. 
If you're not seeking, it's all fluff. Church becomes boring. Getting the Bible is just a waste of time. I just want to praise him. Yeah. Excuse me. That's not worship in truth. That's right. That's worship in spirit. Now, in time, the anointing hit me when I hit that word as I'm reading my Bible. Boom, I'm talking about, you know, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, an apostle. Boom, and I get whacked with the anointing. God spoke. And then I had other people call that. So it wasn't trying to be. I'm not trying to be an apostle this morning. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm here to teach about the offices and to bring fivefold ministry into reality. Nevertheless, I know who I am in the Lord. Now, that comes with great responsibility. The apostle always grows with a growing burden that will go beyond the local church. An apostle will always have a strong focus on doctrine. You can't read about Paul and not see doctrine. Timothy, teach sound doctrine. The last days, people are not going to receive right doctrine. They're going to listen to doctrines of devils. You know, Doctrine is just a natural wiring of the Holy Ghost. Let's go back to that. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, after Paul called the elders of the Ephesus church to come and meet with him in verse 17, the rest is all written to these elders. And he said, you're made elders by the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost wires you differently than an evangelist. You may operate in that office. Paul did. He went out and evangelized and raised up churches. But an apostle will have a heart to see other ministries rise up. And they'll be happy to sit down and just listen and rejoice when the ministries and elders they raise up minister. Amen? Amen. They don't have to be the number one guy inside of a, at the head of the head table of a crowd of a thousand people. They want to see the church function. And if that is not their heart and their burden, they're not an apostle. That's right. A prophet is different. A prophet wants to bring holiness and presence. The prophet will always want to bring a revelation of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. They'll always want to get together with worship and then give out the word of God. My wife is not a person going to prophesy everybody, but she is going to be a person that is an intercessory prophet. Then you have the teacher that knowledge, if the people only knew. The pastor, the shepherd heart, he's content with his church. And the evangelist that always wants souls, souls, and more souls, souls in the morning, souls for breakfast, and souls, you know, and he's going to teach about souls. That's right. Amen? So there you have fivefold ministry. With that, I yield my time. Amen. Come on. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.